It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball is hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. And right picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss, turn to second base, strike him out, throw him out, double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. We do welcome you into another edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. A very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. It is our annual holiday show where we kind of look back at the uh, year that was. And Claib's, uh first time I've talked to you since uh, Christmas. Hopefully you had a very Merry Christmas and are all set for the new year. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good, Matt. It was nice and quiet. Had a chance to hang out with the kids and... Uh, you know, this time of the year, you see friends and family who may live in other cities who come into town. So uh, we had a couple of good gatherings, and uh, I'm looking forward to 2024. We are going to focus this show a little bit looking back at 2023, but I had to get your thoughts on something before we go any further because this is the first time we have spoken since uh, Yamamoto signed his deal with the Dodgers. He's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. And all the numbers say he's going to be a really good major league pitcher. When you look at what he did in Japan, how that's good, you know, how that's probably going to uh, convert over. But he signs the largest contract for a pitcher in major league history and has never thrown a pitch in major league baseball. How does that hit you? Well, it says baseball is truly a global sport. Mm-hmm. When someone, as you mentioned, has never thrown a pitch in the big leagues that is making more money than anybody that's, that's a pitcher in the big leagues, that says a lot. Um, obviously there are people who've seen more of him than you and I, so we're going to have to trust their judgment because there are a lot of teams that obviously coveted him and, uh, you know, he's going to end up with the Dodgers and it'll be fun to watch that, especially after the Cardinals leave Los Angeles in the first week of the season. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be interesting that the Cardinals will be seeing that right off the bat. You know, one of the things though about baseball and we've seen it, teams can get hot in the postseason teams can get cold in the postseason just because you spend a lot of money I think the Dodgers are actually being pretty smart with the way they're spending the money it doesn't seem like what the Mets did say last offseason but even with this money that the Dodgers are spending they have not guaranteed themselves of a World Series oh I agree I I still think the Dodgers have some work to do uh, with their batting order I think the bottom three of their order is certainly pitchable Um, I don't know what their bullpen is going to look like and, you know, when you think about the guys that they're bringing over, okay, Yamamoto's never pitched in the big leagues, so we don't know how durable he will be. Tyler Glass now has pitched, uh, what, 120 innings was his mm-hmm. max. And you have a couple of other guys coming off of injury, uh, so you don't know what their pitch count and innings count is going to look like. So that means you better have a pretty loaded bullpen because they're going to eat up a lot more innings than maybe one might anticipate, especially if you start to monitor the innings of, of some of the people we just mentioned. Uh, when he comes to July and August, you know, you want to watch what those guys do. And if you get into postseason, and I think most people expect them to, that tax on another month of the season. 
Now, you may not pitch as often, but you're going to pitch more than you've ever done in your big league career. So, again, the Dodgers better have not only bullpen arms early, they better find some new ones late because they're going to use everyone. I think very highly of Dave Roberts. I, I, I think you do as well. He seems like the type of manager that's built for managing what's going to be a very interesting situation. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, Dave is, is, a, is a player's manager, played the game, very successful as a player, has done a good job with all the assets that they've given him. But even with that said, Matt, you know, the Dodgers have only won once, and that was during the COVID year. And all the years they've been successful, they've always found a way to run out of gas at the end. And as I go back to the bullpen issue, I, I just think that they're still a little short and they're going to have to spend some more money or move some assets. Uh, you know, how deep is the Dodger organization? Well, just ask the Dodgers. They'll tell you it's as deep as it's ever been. That's been an old ploy. They've You can go back 50 years and they would tell you how good their players are. And then when they go to another team, they don't turn out to be the so-called prospect that ends up being a suspect that you think. Like I mentioned, this is our end-of-year show where we reflect back on the year that was in uh, in 2023. We've, we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to play for you over these uh, two hours, a lot uh, involving Klaibs during the uh, Friday Night Live by Lowe's shows and, and a few other things that uh, we'll get to. Klaibs, uh, I think from a positive standpoint, because not a lot went well for the Cardinals in 2023, but from a positive standpoint, uh, the fact that Adam Wainwright was able to get to 200 wins and as rough of a season as it was for him, he was able to have a big moment at the end of his career. Yeah, it was good that, that he got it behind him. Um, let's be honest, though. If the Cardinals were a better team at the rate Adam Wainwright pitched, he would have never gotten to 200 wins because they couldn't afford to put him in the rotation. Uh, if he if he pitched like we saw him most of the year, which wasn't as good as he would expect it to be. so But, you know, you're happy for him, and certainly because of what he's meant not only to the organization but to St. Louis in, in this community, um, you know, it couldn't be a better situation. And I think that was truly the bright spot. I mean, the emergence of Jordan Walker, that was kind of an up-and-down roller coaster, pretty good at the plate. Uh, challenging in the outfield. Uh, Mason Wynn came up and showed us he could really play some defense, but he needed to work on his offense a little bit more. And everybody else, I think, probably either had a question mark or a negative grade with regard to how they pitched or played. You know, uh, when you think about a guy like Brendan Donovan, whose season was cut short, you find out Tommy Evan is your best outfielder, who was a guy who didn't play the outfield since he was in, what, high school or maybe grade school. And so there were a lot of other question marks, I think, that came along with the season. You know, sometimes, though, learning more about who you have is an important thing for an organization. And you're right. A lot of guys got opportunities. Not a lot of guys did much with those opportunities. I would argue Richie Palacios did a, did a little something with his opportunity and maybe opens up some eyes. But as you get back into a window of being competitive, you want to know who you have on your roster and in your organization. So even if they don't perform at a high level, there's a benefit to what you learn as an organization in those periods. That's a great point you make. Um, not only with within your organization as far as the big league roster, but you had a really good look at what you have in the minor leagues. And, and with uh, many of the players we saw, I don't think they'll have the same impact that we saw them have last year because the Cardinals are moving on to some other players. You know, um, Victor Scott's a guy that you hear a little bit about. Uh, Gordon Graceffo is a guy that they like to see challenged for a spot on the roster. And so with, with that said, 
they're looking at who's next because they had a good look at a lot of guys this year. And I think that's one of the reasons why Dakota Hudson, Andrew Kisner, players like that who grew up in the Cardinal organization, you know, have to look somewhere else because the Cardinals have seen what they needed to see to know that that they, they don't they won't make them a better team. So and so I think now for a lot of guys, uh, they're, they're going to be back on stage again auditioning for a job. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, our year-end special. We'll be back with more in just a moment across the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We're back at it on the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Do you need a glossy, slump-proof gift that won't break the bank for the Cardinals fans on your shopping list? Year in and year out, the Cardinals' official wall calendar delivers the goods. Order it at 314-345-9000, 314-345-9000, or visit select area retailers, or just go ahead and uh, give us a call right now. We are going to uh, give away our first calendar of the program. You can reach us on the Countdown to Opening Day contest line. That phone number is 314-955-1120, 314-955-1120, and you are getting yourself hooked up with a Cardinals wall calendar for 2024. It is a really, really uh, good-looking calendar. I got my copy here uh, recently, and it was uh, certainly fun to thumb through, and it's going to be fun to uh, see those photos and everything else as the 12 months goes along. So this is our end-of-year show. We're replaying a lot of stuff that uh, aired uh, on the Cardinals Radio Network and just hitting some of the uh, big storylines from 2023. And uh, really, the season, you think about Adam Wainwright and his accomplishment of getting to 200 career wins. And while the Cardinals, as a team, did not collect as many wins as they would have liked to, uh, all of a sudden, the focus really turned to getting Adam Wainwright to win number 200. Shortly after that 200th victory, Wainwright sat down with his former teammate, Kyle McClellan, on the Chatters Box podcast and reflected on those 200 wins. It's really cool, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it's better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you know, I kept trying to tell myself, look, you know, it's just a number. I, if I go out and throw three shutouts in a row to end the season and they don't score runs, 199, 200 is not a difference. Well, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. You know, there is. And But um, I got some really cool text messages along the way, you know, and, and uh, a lot of great encouragement from tons of different people along the way. And it took me an hour and 42 minutes today to answer text messages from the other day. So, um, you know, I, I tried to do a personal one, too, not just like a, you know, a, a mass 
text to everybody. I, I, I felt like, you know, people, a lot of people had their hand on this, so I felt like I needed to make it personal back to them. And, and uh, I loved every second of it. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't like, oh gosh, it was a, man, this is, this is pretty neat, you know. I mean, a lot of those names had to be, I'm sure guys you competed against, former teammates. I mean, give me an idea of, uh, of 300 and something texts I know you posted. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. What Over are some four, of those names that stood about out? Four hundred fifty something <laughs> texts, actually, crazy. I didn't even think I had you know that many people that cared about <laughs> me that much, but I appreciated it so much. Um, I mean, some crazy names, right? Johnny Bench reached out to me. I did not know he had my number at all. He didn't. He just went and got it somehow. Um, I had Rob Manfred reach out. I had uh, you know John Hamm reach out and some other cool people like that in the Hollywood scene. I had um, lots of former players and teammates reach out and and uh all my family of course and people growing up you know that i hadn't talked to since little league i mean really a lot of really neat things happened this week yeah so take me back to that game i mean it's uh, it's been a tough year for you right mm-hmm. i mean at, yep. w- when you come into this year you're thinking i only got a handful left to get i'm probably going to get it you know you're 42 man it's like in in and i know you you know, like watching mm-hmm. you, I can tell, like, you don't have to go in it, but you're not 100%. Let's nope. just say that. Not even <laughs> right? close, buddy. So, I mean, it's clearly you can see that, yeah. and you're going out and competing, and, and you've had some tough ones. And the thing that I respect about you more than anything, and this is this is not just this year, but, like, you you can't get you can't get down. Like, I've never seen mm-hmm. you get down. I've seen you get frustrated, but you come back, and you're always optimistic, mm-hmm. and it's always the next start, I'm going to turn it around, yep. you know? And, and you've convinced yourself that. You convince your teammates that. Um and and you've you've gone through this season, had the ups and downs. That game in Baltimore, you man, that that had to be the one that's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this right. Like if you don't yeah. get that one in Baltimore, it's it's a lot harder. Makes it a lot tougher. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I got done with that game, and I told Jenny, I think this is one of my favorite wins ever, just because um, you know the the chips were stacked against me. Had not been uh, going well for a few months. I actually had been pitching a little better lately, and. You know, working around what I have now, I'm, I'm finally getting comfortable with what I have, and so like I know I need to change some arm angles and mm-hmm. throw some different speeds on different pitches and change locations of things that I didn't used to throw and and try different stuff. And and the hitters are telling me that that works. You know, so like, you know, if my body didn't feel horrible, I might <laughs> think, golly, that might be fun to just see a, what a whole season that looks like. Because you know, the times that I've done that well, um, I've pitched pretty good games against some good teams san diego baltimore and now um milwaukee you know we're talking about three really really talented offenses um coming down the stretch here i knew it was was not going to be easy i faced san diego atlanta baltimore milwaukee and then san diego again and then cincinnati which has always had my number so I'm thinking, well, dang, if I get it, I'm going to earn it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the idea going into the season was to get five wins in the first month of the season, right? right? Like, right. just go ahead and get it over with and then just have great time and win 215 games mm-hmm. this year. But uh, about two weeks before the season started, my body just, man, it was just shut down on me, basically. You know, I fought, I fought my way through the WBC the best I could. Luckily, I had an incredible curveball work in that I could work at any count. Didn't have much fastball, but I didn't almost need to because I was spinning it really well. And then when I started the season, finally this year, um, well, I tweaked my leg right in the very last second, the, the right before the championship game of the WBC, tweaked my, my adductor in my left leg, so I missed a couple of weeks there. But when I did come back, 
I lost my curveball for, <laughs> you know, a, a couple of months. And so, like, you know how that is for me. That's like, yeah. I don't even, that's like losing oxygen almost yeah. for me. You, you know, throw that pitcher. more in your fastball. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that made it a lot tougher. Um, and so, you know how it is. Sometimes you just got to find a way. Sometimes you got to figure out when it's not going good or you got, you know, your arm stinks or your back's killing you, which has been very true of both of those <laughs> all year this year. You just got to figure out a way to make it happen and, and find a way to win. Well, I can tell you, my son and I were watching. Um, you know, every time you're starting paying attention to it, get home from practices or whatever, it's like, hey, let's turn it on. Uh, and one nothing, and you go out for the fifth and look like you're cruising. Okay, is he going to come back out? Yeah, he goes back out for the sixth. You know, Ali comes out, have that conversation. Okay, we're gonna we get through this. And then the stinking leadoff hitter gets on. I think every inning, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, when they bring the bullpen in, I'm like, oh my gosh, one nothing game. Um, at that point, like if it doesn't happen there, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, mentally, I don't. know. I mean, he's the toughest. He's the toughest guy mentally I know. <laughs> but I'm like, man, I don't know. I think he's all in on this. Yeah. And, and let let's get it finished. But so you you're out of the game. You you lose the control mm-hmm. now. Yep. Um, you can see the way your teammates are fighting. I mean, it's it's obvious they're playing different than than we've seen them play i mean yeah. they know what's on the line um helsley comes in for a four out save hasn't had it since may so it it finally happens mm-hmm. okay the fly ball goes to right field mm-hmm. it finally happens i mean just what what is that what is that like you know what i noticed when i when that when that last out was made and tommy catches the ball you know what i noticed right away jordan walker is right behind him and he jumps <laughs> up for joy like he won the world series mm-hmm and I think my whole team did that during that second. And it was just, it was so cool to me. They were pushing hard for me. You know, they wanted to win, obviously, anyways. But for us to go out and win that game, especially a one nothing game, yeah. you know, where I was able to pitch seven good innings and uh, I felt like me again. You know, if at least one last time, I felt like me out mm-hmm. there. It felt like I was supposed to be, you know, I was a pitcher. I was in control of the game and controlling counts and keeping guys off base and, and they did get on base, controlling the running game and doing all the little things that pitchers has to, have to do. And uh, when that third out was made, you know, he's jumping up and down, and I'm 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 hugging, I'm I'm tearing up and and hugging. You know, the first two hugs I gave were to Jason Shutt and Adam Olson, the two guys that have poured the most into me the last five or six years. When it's been, you know, what it's been a work for them to get those, me out those there. Those are athletic trainers. Yeah, those athletic trainers, know, yeah. yeah. And, they, they, and that's been work for them. And them and Chris Conroy was the next one. And these three guys have been there through thick and thin for me. When I showed up the other day, I showed up with all kinds of back spasms you can't believe. <laughs> and uh, Conroy goes, all right, go get him. And then he looked at Adam. He told me this afterwards. He looked at him and he goes, man, he's he's up the creek, dude. He's mm-hmm. screwed. Mm-hmm. And then Adam walks into the trainers and to the Ollie's office and says, "Hey, you might want to get a Plan B going because this guy's pretty jacked up today." And you know, my arm was not great. It's it's not in the best spot. <laughs> you know, we'll talk about it more after the season, <laughs> right. but it's been better. I'll just tell yeah. you that. And uh, I warm up was probably the top three toughest warm ups I've ever had in my whole life. Um, you know, just could barely get it to the catcher. And and as we got warmed up, I thought, you know what? This is that we're doing it today. Mm-hmm. Today it's happening, and I'm putting everything I got into this. 
Every single thing I got, I'm leaving it out there, and we'll see what happens. That's Adam Wainwright talking with Kyle McClellan, part of the Chatters Box podcast. You can find the full conversation wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to cardinals.com uh, slash podcast, and uh, you can find the Chatters Box podcast right there, hosted by uh, Kyle McClellan. We'll hear a little bit more of that conversation coming up next hour. But up next, we're also going to spend some time on this show reflecting on the life and legacy of former Cardinals broadcaster and player Mike Shannon, we're going to hear from Joe Torrey and uh, hear his reflections on Mike Shannon. We'll do that next as we roll on with the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. 2024 Cardinal ticket packs are on sale now and start as low as $55. Choose from five-game or ten-game packs, all focused around high-demand games and top promotional items like the Bobblehead Pack, the Weekend Pack, Opening Day Pack, and more. For complete details, visit cardinals.com slash packs. We are reflecting on the 2023 year, which obviously left a lot to be desired when it came to the Cardinals' final record, but a lot of things did happen over the year. Uh, one thing that we certainly wanted to mention throughout the course of the program was the passing of former Cardinals broadcaster and player Mike Shannon. We found out about his death right at the end of April, and it's hard to find anybody in the history of the Cardinals organization that was more beloved than Mike Shannon. On our flagship station at KMOX, I got the opportunity to speak with former Cardinals player and manager Joe Torrey and he shared uh, his thoughts and reflections of Mike Shannon. I knew Mike wasn't feeling well. I knew he wasn't doing well, I should say. And, um, and, and you know, unfortunately, when you, when you get to my age and that phone rings, uh, you know, a lot of times it's, it's something that you don't want to hear. But um, the first thing I thought about was, you know, what a fighter he was. Um, you know, he was, he was supposed to pass on, you know, somewhere in the early seventies when he came down with nephritis. And, and I, I remember distinctly going to visit him at his home. That's when he was, he was sleeping 23 of the 24 hours every day. And he, he was the only one that thought he was going to make it. And, you know, he's, uh, he certainly was a special friend and, uh, certainly was a, a, a tenacious individual. There's no question about it. You had the relationship with him as a teammate. You also had the relationship as a as a manager and a broadcaster. Was there any difference uh, between those two things, or was he just always Mike Shannon to you? He was always the same. And, and you know, when Mike asked you something, you know, you want to come on my show, you never said no. I remember Bob Gibson and I, you know, would uh, would visit and sit with him uh, for his show and. Yeah, you know, the show was just like sitting around a dinner table and and chatting with Mike. He, he was he was a master at the conversation. He knew his baseball. He knew which angle to come at you from. And, um, and as I say, he 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 was just very special. And he he would do anything for you. He, he was just such a loyal friend. He is beloved in St. Louis and obviously growing up here, true St. Louis. And what was it about him, though? Because we've spent the entire day today here on KMOX 
reflecting on him, telling stories. It's been so much fun. But what was it about him where he was so endearing to to everybody in St. Louis? Well, you know, again, he went to Mizzou, and he, he was uh, certainly a popular figure there. And But I, I think, you know, St. Louis, uh, they have a knack, the fans, for, you know, who they cheer for. Uh, they, they can recognize uh, say if your if your mom sends a kid out to play, uh, Mike Shannon's that kid who's going to come back dirty, <laughs> and uh, you know he just gave everything every time he played the game. Uh, he, he you know it wasn't always pretty, but uh, he was never uh, he was never afraid to fail, and and to me that that's a that's the highest compliment I can I can pay anybody who competes. Because he he just went out there and gave you his all, uh, whether he was playing the outfield, playing third base, you know he's always uh, would raise his hand if you needed an extra catcher. Uh, he he was a, a perfect teammate. You mentioned Bob Gibson, and you think about Bob Gibson, you think about Bill White. At that point in time, it wasn't always easy to be an African-American ball player. How important was it that he really kind of uh, set the tone in terms of the relationships that he had? Well, you know, it's interesting, Matt, is, you know, baseball, I think, you know, you never you never had that issue in baseball. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying guys, you know, you had some certain individuals who grew up a certain way and had, you know, certain, you know, prejudices. But I always found that baseball consisted of a first baseman, second baseman, shortstop, third baseman, and, and it never came into play, you know, what color somebody was. So, you know, I, I think baseball a long time ago integrated just for the sake of, of, of first of all, living with someone on a regular basis because obviously you're you're with your teammates more than when you're with your family during the season, and then you know working together to try to do something special. And um, it it um, yeah, I remember just one incident uh, talking about that subject uh, when Richie Allen w- was with us. And he and Lou Brock would, would go back and forth. And, you know, there was always that talk about Richie being late. And, and, and Lou would kid him about, boy, um, you know, you know I, I would I'd go tell on you. And uh, I wish I could go tell on all those guys. And he, he would pretend, Lou would, you know, if, if I was Red Shandy. So he would say to him, if I were Red, you know what I would do to you. And Richie said back to him, but you're not, you're black. And, and you know, it, it was just that kind of camaraderie we had, uh, you know, color, you know, not, not that you didn't notice, but it, it uh, you know, teammates were teammates. And it, it, didn't, uh, it didn't have anything to do with, um, you know, anything negative as far as I was concerned. And, again, it may have on other clubs, but any club I've been on, uh, it was always, uh, you know, teammates. That was Joe Torre reflecting on the life of former Cardinals broadcaster and player Mike Shannon. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. 
You're listening to the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network as we go through our 2023 year in review. You can be one of the first fans to catch the Cardinals at spring training 2024 in Jupiter, Florida. Cardinals Vacations makes it easy by being your one-stop shop for spring training travel. Make your plans today. Call Cardinals Vacations at 800-892-7687 or online at cardinals.com slash vacations. One of the most fun things that we do here on the Cardinals Radio Network is our Friday Night Live by Lowe's programs. They run after Friday home games, and you never really know who is going to stop by, and there's just some incredible baseball conversations that take place, and here on our year in review show, certainly wanted to focus in on a couple of them. We'll start with former Cardinals catcher Tom Pagnazzi. He sat down with Mike Claiborne, Ricky Horton, and also Chip Carey. Wanted to play a snippet of it for you right here, and we'll begin with uh, Pagnazzi talking about uh, the impact of Yadier Molina and what the Cardinals have really learned uh, in that first year after Molina retired. They found out how much they missed Yachty and Molina yeah. last year. You know, I mean, one of the all-time greats, maybe our pitchers need to figure some things out. Maybe, you know, yeah. some things need, need to happen. Um, maybe some, you know, more catching instruction in the mm-hmm. minor leagues right. in, in the system. Um, it, you know, as, as a fan, you love watching. It, it's hard for me. I, I, I have a good friend that's a... A Cub fan, we made a wager, and, and, and I got to pay him. It, it, it sucks. <laughs> Wait till next year. Well, they're scuffling, so you get the last laugh as far as That's that right. goes. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, there's so many things that, that we, we want to – I want to ask you about the postseason. The Cardinals aren't going to go to the postseason this year. It's the first time in 16 years. That's going to be hard for all of us. But the Cardinals have had 90 lost seasons or better six times since 1913, I think it was. Yeah. The very next year, they finished over 500, right? Which gives you great hope looking ahead to 2024. Offensively, Ricky, I don't know if you agree or not, I don't think offense is going to be the problem for the Cardinals. Can they find enough pitching either via trade or free agency to supplement an offense that should be able to score four or five runs a game? So with that in mind, as you watch the game, who would Tom Pagnazzi like to see the Cardinals try and go and get well, this offseason? Well, obvi- obviously we need, you know, some pitching. Yeah. I-, I still think you need to address the outfield. I mean, you need some you need some offense. I mean, we need some production. You know, what what's going to happen at third and first? I, I don't know. You know, are, are both of them back? Uh, I-, I hope so. Um, I think, you know, your shortstop, I've watched him. I watched him probably ten games in double-A. In you know, he's going to hit. He's, he's young. Your right fielder's going to be a star. What's going to happen? you got to find guys that can play every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know as a bench player it was hard to hit once or twice a week. I would love to see them get back to the same lineup every night. Six or seven guys, same spots. I did this yeah. about yep. a month and a half ago, two months ago. I took the Braves, the Dodgers, the teams that are winning, the Orioles, and looked at their lineup. Those guys hitting the same spot every night. Mm-hmm. We bounce them from left and right, and it, it's all over the place. Um, but but that comes from you're trying to find something that's working. Sure. Um, I would love to see you know so, the same lineup. I mean, the Rat and, and Joe. We sent the same guys out. It, it's we had a note today. I'll, let me interrupt you if I can. We had a note today that nine guys that were on the opening day roster, nine guys have all been in the IL. Those guys have combined because of multiple trips to the IL to play 67% 
of well, the games this year. Well, yeah. So to your point, yeah, there are a lot of duplicate parts, a lot of very similar parts, which has been a blessing because yeah. it's been able to cover up some of those holes. But continuity is but the continuity yep. is really, really hard, and, and, and the team just hasn't been able to put that together. So, so we're talking about pitching. There's a pitcher I want to ask you about, and you, uh, I'm assuming that you've seen him. I don't know, but uh, a guy that uh, grew up in Arkansas, yep. Tink Hens, yep. his big arm uh, player for the uh, Cardinals who I had a chance to go on a caravan with him. I loved the guy. I thought he was very uh, cordial and just great with the fans and all that. And we were actually going through uh, Arkansas on the caravan and, and they, uh, they loved him. So what, what are your thoughts about him? And where, have you seen him? Yeah, pitch? I've seen him pitch twice. Okay. Um, you know, I think he's, he, I think he's the guy that, that is going to be a, a hit. You know, we've missed on a bunch of pitchers right now. The guys that we thought were going to be, you know, Stars yeah. haven't. They've they've come up here and struggled um, for for one reason or another. You know, you worry about his durability. They've kind of, I don't want to say babied him, but they have. You know, in the minor. At some point, you got to start throwing them out there to to build them up. And you know, is he ready next year? I don't know. I mean, he doesn't go five innings too often. So, so I, I had a thought uh, recently. I'll try it out on both of you guys. But I just I've had this thought that, you know, back in the day, I'd say that you had pitchers that were pitchers that were bad that didn't throw hard, pitchers that were good that didn't throw hard, pitchers that were bad and threw hard, pitchers that were good and threw hard. And what you would do is you'd take the good pitchers, whether they threw hard or not, and that was your team. And those are that's who you drafted, and that's who you developed. It seems like we've decided to, 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 instead of taking from those two quadrants, we are only taking for the quadrants of the guys that throw hard and can't pitch very well and the guys that throw hard and can. And I think the results are what we've got. We've got, you know, not enough depth of pitching at a lot of levels. And, and of course, there's more teams and more, more pitchers on each team, too. Right. So that's part of it. Does that, does that theory make sense to you because of kind of how we are not only scouting, but drafting and developing and choosing pitchers. And, of course, I'm one of the guys that didn't throw hard, so I'm, I'd have been out of a job. But And maybe that's self-serving, but does that, does that make sense to you? Oh, no, it, it does. I mean, it, it's, it's all about velocity. It's all about spin rate. It's all about – but if you throw that thing down the middle, these guys are going to whack it. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's about placement. To me – They whacked it today pretty good. Yeah, they, they whacked it. <laughs> to, to me, I think you need a combination – it seems like so many teams in the major leagues, you bring a guy that throws the same, the next guy comes. He's the same build. You know, yeah. that's the way our clubs were built with, with Whitey and Joe. You know, we had guys that threw hard. We had guys that threw soft. We had guys that sink it. You had guys that rised it. You know, it was a mixture. In today's game, if you take one guy out, you bring another guy in, it seems like he's the same guy. Best it's guy you caught. Thing. was it? I mean, Bob Tewksbury's a guy you caught. It was a 20-game winner to, with us. Yeah. And, but you caught John Tudor also. John Tudor was amazing. I mean, John Tudor, John Tudor was a two-pitch pitcher. Fastball, change up to righties. Yeah. Fastball, curveball to lefties. And I remember my very first start catching John Tudor. You know, we go through the – you know, you go through the, the – the, the scouting report, he doesn't say nothing about not throwing curveballs to right. right. Doesn't say one word. You know, so I try to call a curveball to a righty. Shakes off. Try again. Shakes off. Try again. Finally, I go out to him. I said, hey, man, you know, what about throwing a curveball? You know, to, I don't throw curveballs right. It had been nice you told me that, you know, <laughs> an hour and a half ago. He was, 
He goes, well, I was just seeing how long it would take you. <laughs> he was testing you. Testing me. That's like so it was so funny. After we clinched it, he's pitching, and Kevin McReynolds comes up. I go, fastball in, no, fastball away, change up, change up. No, I'm like, that's all you got, dude. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Curveball. McReynolds hits it off the top of the wall. I walk out there. I said, I understand now, and I hand him the ball. That's former Cardinals catcher Tom Pagnazzi talking with Mike Claiborne, Ricky Horton, and also Chip Carey, part of a Friday Night Live by Lowe's that uh, happened this past year. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King OX. Starting to wrap up our number one of the countdown to opening day show here across the Cardinals radio network alongside Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. The Cardinals caravan presented by Missouri Farm Bureau hits the road January 12th through the 15th. The caravan is a great way for fans outside of St. Louis to get up close and personal with their favorite team. For all the details or to see the 2024 schedule, visit cardinals.com slash caravan. That's the same weekend of the Cardinals care winter warm-up. That's going to be going on uh, all three days of uh, of that time period that weekend and uh, this is really the time of year where it feels like baseball's just about here you know the season comes to an end uh, especially in a year like this where the Cardinals were not in the playoffs or maybe in a year where the Cardinals have a short playoff run it feels like uh, things kind of go slow during the playoffs and then that the World Series comes to an end and there's a little bit more time. But by the time you get to the winter meetings, the winter meetings runs into uh, the new year and then the new year runs into uh, all these events. And by the time we get to winter warm up and by the time we get to uh, Cardinals Caravan, the next thing you know. Uh, pitchers and catchers are reporting. We're down in Jupiter, Florida. There's stuff to talk about on an everyday basis. I still do think that the Cardinals are going to make some moves between now and the beginning of spring training. The the depth of those moves, the gravity of those moves, who knows what's going to happen. It feels like there is still a desire to add to the bullpen, and that's something that is uh, certainly likely to happen. And who knows, maybe it will happen before the winter warm-up. I know in a perfect world they like to have uh, their off-season acquisitions available for that event, which will be going on uh, January 13th, 14th, 15th. Uh, if you are somebody that generally goes to that event and gets autographs, I uh, do want to make note to you that you can head to uh, cardinals.com slash WWU. The uh, autograph schedule has been released. Now, this is something that you probably want to uh, continue to uh, check out on uh, as often as you possibly can because they always are adding more individuals. But some of the individuals are already uh, sold out. Brendan Donovan, David Freeze, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Gorman, Sonny Gray, Tink Hintz, Lars Newtbar, Thomas Ajaycee, Victor Scott, Ozzie Smith, Jordan Walker, and Mason Wynn. Uh, those autograph uh, opportunities have already uh, completely sold out, uh, but there are still uh, many, many, many more opportunities to uh, get some autographs. So you can check that out again at cardinals.com slash WWU. Once again, uh, they are going to be doing it 
both at Bush Stadium and at uh, Ballpark Village. Last year was the first time that they did that, and it really did work out well. As we do wrap up hour number one of the program, coming up in hour two, we'll hear a little bit more from uh, Adam Wainwright. We'll also hear from uh, Joe Buck and Bob Costas, their reflections on Mike Shannon. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Keith Hernandez and Ray Lankford. They were on together during a Friday Night Live by Lowe's. So we have a jam-packed hour number two of the program coming up, and uh, hopefully you do not go anywhere. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. It is our uh, end-of-year 2023 edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network, alongside of Mike Claiborne, and my name is Matt Pauley. Coming up this hour, we are going to hear from both Joe Buck and Bob Costas as they'll share uh, their reflections of former Cardinals broadcaster and player Mike Shannon. We're going to hear from uh, Keith Hernandez and Ray Lankford. They were both guests on a Friday Night Live by Lowe's this past season. And we've got a few other things that we're going to uh, get into here this hour. But right now, we're going to pick up where we left off uh, earlier on in last hour when we heard from Adam Wainwright. He was speaking with his former teammate, former Cardinals pitcher, Kyle McClellan as part of the Chatters Box podcast, really reflecting on the 200 career victories. And as they continued the conversation, Wainwright was asked how much going for 200 career wins played into his decision to return to the Cardinals in 2023. That's one of the reasons I came back because I felt like that was a cool number, but I really came back to win a World Series. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I felt like the team we had, the young team we had, and we were, I felt like you know we had some guys that were going to step up. I thought we were going to win. Um, turned out not to be the way I wanted to go out that way. Um, you know, we we just got off to a horrible start right away, and our our pitching just wasn't there, and then our hitting didn't wasn't there, and then our fielding was you know for the first three quarters of the season our fielding was really bad, and um, just everything just nothing nothing worked. You know, and you know how it is. I mean, in two thousand ten. We didn't make the postseason. We had two top five Cy Young guys and the MVP and a couple of incredible players all around them, Matt Holliday and great bullpen and, you know, great other starters. And, I mean, it just didn't work out. Like, the magic wasn't there for some reason. And uh, and this year, just for whatever reason, just the magic didn't happen. You know, the, the guys that I thought were going to step up, including myself, didn't. Um, and uh, But the good thing is we did see some, some young guys – you know, come of their own. We saw Brendan Donovan really step up. What a player he is. We saw Jordan Walker. We figured out what kind of guy that guy is and see him working in the outfield to try to get better every day. He's going to be great. Um, see Mason come up and play great defense. Man, that day, that game he played behind me the other day. He looked like Ozzie Smith yeah, out there. It's going to be fun know. to watch, yeah. Yeah, he's incredible <laughs> out there, and he's got such a great arm to go with it. You know, I think he's going to hit better and better the more he's comfortable with big league pitching. He's just, I mean, look, these guys are 20 years old. Right. They're 20, 20 and 21 years old, and they're asking them to learn in the big leagues, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we have a lot less minor league stuff going on. We used to, a lot less teams. Um, and, you know, with the way, I don't know, salaries or whatever it is, and, and especially the way this season went, they didn't learn that stuff in the minor leagues. They said, come on up to the big leagues and learn here. And that's a tough place to learn. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. It's mm-hmm. a very tough place to learn. But I think they're doing great. They're grinding through really well. They're working their tails off. they got a great mindset, great attitudes. Um, and I think, I think honestly, I think this struggle this year is going to be very good for the organization going forward. 
I think the team realized we needed to make some adjustments. I think the the front office realized they need to make some adjustments. I think the the hitters and the pitchers and the, the fielders and the positioning and everybody realized they need to make some adjustments. They need to step up. They need to be better. And they take this serious when they come into spring training next year. There's going to be some ticked off Cardinals <laughs> ready to uh, get back on top of this division again. And so um, sometimes you need that wake up call. Well, and it's been a while here. I mean, we've yeah. we've had a good run. Can you say you're done for next year? Done, buddy. Okay. <laughs> done as it gets. So well you're done. done for next year, but you're still invested and committed to these guys yeah. for next year. I yep. mean, you might not be on the team in that locker room, mm-hmm. but you're trying to leave this locker room, this organization, in yep. a place that they can go forward. And and that's honestly the organization. I mean, there's been, you know, the Chris Carpenters, the Mike Matheny's before him. The, you can go down the line, right, mm-hmm. and especially the last 20 years of guys that have played that role. Have you ever thought about that? I know I know you get asked about it, and I know, um, you know, maybe as you step back and have time to reflect a little bit more, but, like, your name and the things that you've brought to this organization are going to stay here for a long time. And, and the things that you've carried on, things you have made important. I think about starting pitchers going out and watching each other throw. There's no other organ, and it blows my mind. Maybe there is now, and I don't see it. There's no other organization that has their starters go out there mm-hmm. and and watch each other in the bullpen. And I think that's crazy. Like, I think that should be a standard thing. And that's something that you've really enforced yep. and continued, you know, to, to take on uh, and make sure that these young guys do that. That's going to happen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, all the, all the ways you've poured into these guys. I mean, does that hit you at all? Well, I've loved being a part of carrying that baton and hand it to the next guys you know um we when i got here we were handed a great gift of of a, an organization you know the, this place was in great shape with great leaders and great veteran leadership and great young guys coming up who wanted to be that next leader and and uh you know we were we were we were spoiled here to come up in this way in this organization um what a shame it would be if i left it be- worse than i got it you know and so um that's what I, I always tell these guys. Hey, when you like simple things too, it's not just it's not just like going out on the field and doing things the right way as a player. But like when you're inside the locker room, when you're inside the clubhouse, when you get done shaving, hey, wash it out, <laughs> throw your razor away, whatever it is, you know, like this is your home. Like let's take care of it, you know, tipping the guys and and cleaning up your plate and and you know a lot of there's, there's a saying like it's the big league, somebody will get it. Like right. we don't really. <laughs> We don't really uh, believe in that so much, right? You should handle your own business in there and, and take care of it just like it was your own bedroom or something. So um, I love I love uh, watching young guys enforce that too. Like, hey, man, you're going to get this plate? Like, you're just going to leave it here? And I'm, I'm like, yes, man, <laughs> yes, you know. And um, that's fun to me to, to watch guys uh, see the right thing and then want to do the right thing. So Yachty, talk about that relationship a little bit. Um you know, and I, I know how how close you guys are and how tight you are. It had to be tough without him this year. You know, yeah. going, going through it, and not having him there. Yeah, he's like your security blanket. You know, like it's um, he knows he knows a look in my face when I'm when I'm needing him to be more when I'm more relying on him calling pitches or where if, whether he needs to set up more or halves of the plate or or thirds of the plate or off the plate. You know, whatever it is, and he knows. Whether he's looking at me, whether he needs to come out there and be like, "Hey, man, let's freaking go," or, or if he needs to be like, "Hey, you're great, I love you," you know, it's uh, he just he and I had so much time together that it uh, that relationship is hard to replicate. But man, Contreras and I have really grown over the last couple of months, getting comfortable with game calling and sequencing and and how you work between 
uh, between games and you know what I'm seeing and what he's seeing. Sometimes that's different. So you talk about it and then you get on the same page. I love doing that stuff. You know, I love that's my favorite part of pitching is the preparation behind it. And so those guys prepare hard. They work their tails off to, to be to be good and to help us be better. That's Adam Wainwright talking with Kyle McClellan on the Chatters Box podcast. If you ever want to hear any of those podcasts, you can just head to cardinals.com slash podcast. Kyle has uh, a lot of really cool, really interesting conversations uh, with a lot of different people, and you can always uh, hear those for yourself. Again, cardinals.com slash podcast, or just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you happen to uh, listen to your podcast, and you can find them right there. We will take a break. When we return, we're going to hear from Joe Buck and Bob Costas. They reflect on Mike Shannon uh, following his passing this past year. That's up next. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King KMOX. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley, the 27th Cardinals Care winner warm-up. Is coming to Bush Stadium in Ballpark Village January 13th through the 15th. Admission tickets include access to the Cardinals Hall of Fame Museum, an exclusive tour of the Cardinals Clubhouse, and many more family-friendly activities. Learn more at cardinals.com slash WWU. We are reflecting upon 2023, and a big part of 2023 was the loss of former Cardinals player and broadcaster Mike Shannon. He passed away in late April. On our flagship station at KMOX, our own Tom Ackerman got the chance to uh, speak with a couple other broadcasters of note, starting with Joe Buck. Yeah, Mike was just so keenly aware of everything around him. And and so when you read the Post-Dispatch article and in the midst of it are the Shannonisms that, that all make me smile, uh, I, I think you have to realize that he was a really smart man and somebody who I think common sense-wise was at the top of the chart. I think that's what made him so great as an announcer and made him great as as a player, whether it was in high school here in St. Louis or with the Cardinals. To spend time around him was a real treat. In the booth, he'd hit that cough button and make a comment about something that was going to happen on the field, or he would just make a funny comment. (laughs) I don't know how. Yeah, no, there there was plenty said. off air because of that cough button that, uh, yeah, that, that would be a great soundtrack to have now, but I, he, he just was great. And I had, I learned so much from him. You know, everybody gives my dad credit, my mom credit, and I give Mike a lot of credit for, for not just teaching me about the game of baseball, but about life and about, you know, being a big league broadcaster and, I'm so indebted to him because there I was, 21, doing the Cardinals uh, and, and calling him partner. And I had grown up in the back of the booth with his son, Danny, and, and we were getting in trouble every other day in the back of that thing. And now, you know, five minutes later, I'm sure in his mind, here I am you know, sitting there calling games with him. And, and he could have made it awful. He could have been like, I'm not working with this kid. And it was the opposite. He he took me under his wing, and, and I'm just indebted to him forever for that. Joe, he had such a unique way of calling games. There'll never be anyone like Mike Shannon. He had a great voice, and he put so much emotion into those historic calls. You know, I recall the home run race of 98, and Joe, you were right in the middle of it. He had a lot of emotion going on, didn't he? Because he was very close with Roger Maris. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was the one thing that I think he was wrong about Mike was right about like 99% of things, you know, he just saw stuff and, 
I think, put it into his computer and, and kind of knew where it was going to end up. But he always said, and, and I think part of it was emotional because he was so close with Roger, that whoever was going to get close to that record was just going to fall apart because of the media scrutiny and and all the pressure that would come with breaking this hallowed record of 61 home runs. And I, I think he was in awe of what McGuire and Sosa were doing and then Bonds a couple of years later. So, I, uh, yeah, he, he was close with Roger. I think he really respected that record. And for him to be there front and center to watch McGuire break it, um, yeah, I think there were a lot of emotions going on. But, but the main one was that, that he was excited for Mark he was excited that the Maris kids and the family was involved at the time and uh, that, you know, Mark ultimately did it as a Cardinal, which I, I think put a smile on Mike's face as well. One last thing, Joe, and that is you witnessing him around his teammates. You were very close with Tim and Bob and Lou and, you know, and of course he was very close with all of his teammates. We just lost Dick Grote. All of these are members of the 64 team and, Red Shandingst. I mean, was there a better duo than Mike Shannon and Red Shandingst? Just speak to that, if you would. I mean, if, if I could have rolled a tape recorder <laughs> on the team bus when Mike would start giving Red trouble in the front of the bus, and as you know, Mike, they called him the Moon Man because the guy didn't sleep. And and like you know, I've, I've heard his family talk about, he felt like he was living on borrowed time because of uh, of the kidney disorder. It forced him out of the game, and so he just went full bore all day, all night. And if he wasn't sleeping on the team bus, he was just on a rant, a roll with Red in the front of that bus, and it was some of the funniest stuff. I, I mean, I, I could tell stories for days uh, about him getting off the bus and you know going in to buy a Budweiser <laughs> as we're stuck in traffic in Chicago coming from O'Hare. And I, I just on and on and on. I know you don't have time for it, but it's he, he just he lived life and just did it his way. And a lot of the same stuff I said about Tim applies to Mike. They were kind of men of a different generation. That was Joe Buck speaking with Tom Ackerman on flagship station at KMOX about Mike Shannon. Uh, Tom also got the opportunity that day to talk with Bob Costas. He was almost indestructible. He would be at the Kentucky Derby just because he liked it on a Saturday and then somehow he'd get back to St. Louis in time to call the last few winnings of a Cardinal game that they were playing on a Saturday night. Or if they were in Cincinnati closer by, he'd get to that. He could get by on about 90 minutes sleep when anybody else would be reeling and wouldn't know what day it was. He was just seemingly indestructible. So he had lots of interest, but baseball was at the heart of his life. Uh, he had so many friends within the game and because of where the game took him and who would brought him into contact with, he had such a wide, uh, I don't want to say network's the wrong word, but he, such a wide array of friends and acquaintances through the years. Uh, you were always amazed at how many people he knew or who would recognize him by his first name if he walked into a restaurant, not in St. Louis, but in New York or Chicago or L.A. Uh, There's so well said. Uh, he would walk into his closet, grab one of his black members-only jackets, <laughs> get over to the ballpark, and call a ball game. And he did it, Bob, for 50 years. How would you describe Mike as a broadcaster in his career? Well, you know, the malapropisms, just like with Yogi Berra, not to the same extent, those things are cited with affection. But what sometimes gets lost in it was how good he was 
in the prime of his career, you know, toward the end he was faltering, and that's obvious. But in the prime of his career, he has deep knowledge of the game, deep respect within the game. He always worked the batting cages, the dugouts, the clubhouses. Uh, he prepared in a different way than others do. He wasn't sitting there with a bunch of notes. He sat down, he looked at the lineup card, and the rest was just his knowledge of the game and what he observed in real time. So he brought that to it. And it's fun to look back on some of the, the things he said that were inadvertently funny. But the Major League Baseball Network, uh, only an hour or so after uh, Mike's passing became common knowledge, uh, the Baseball Network last night, remember this is for a national audience, put together a montage of his best calls, and there must have been about a dozen of them. And if you were someone in Tacoma, Washington, who had never heard Mike Shannon call a game, and you listened to that montage of calls, you would leave aside how beloved he was, how connected he was virtually his entire life to St. Louis and the St. Louis region, all those things that build affection and connection. And you're just thinking of it objectively. Wow, this guy's a really good baseball announcer. His call of Glenn Brummer stealing home or Fernando Tatis's second grand slam in the same inning or the Cardinals recording the last out and winning a World Series, those calls stand up as broadcast calls even separated from the beloved character who was Mike Shannon. Mike had such a presence that we would often joke that he could park his car on the warning track and nobody would say anything <laughs> if he wanted to. Uh, he had such a presence, Bob. Could you speak to that, your interactions with him, and maybe even some of the early days here at KMOX? Yeah, uh, he did have that presence. Uh, if he walked into a room, or a ballpark for that matter, and if somehow you didn't know him, it's one of those, who is that? That's got to be somebody. And, of course, his look was so distinctive. Uh, if the Cardinals were going on a road trip, it didn't take him very much time to pack because everything was black, <laughs> the black members only jacket. And it always stunned me. You know, it, it can get hot and muggy, in case you haven't noticed, in St. Louis in July and August. And it'd be like 98 degrees, and the humidity would be 98%. And he's got black slacks, black shoes, black socks, black sort of polo shirt or whatever it is beneath the black members only jacket and he wasn't sweating he was... he, his dna was different from other people's i can only conclude that was bob costas before that we heard from joe buck both speaking with our own uh, tom ackerman on flagship station at kmox on the cardinals radio network reflecting upon the life and uh, career and everything else with Mike Shannon, the former Cardinals broadcaster and player who passed away this past year. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We roll on with the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. We are going to go back to one of the Friday Night Live by Lowe's shows from this past year. A really, really fun program as both Ray Lankford and Keith Hernandez sat down with Klaibs in addition to uh, Ricky Horton, who was on the program as well. So uh, let's get right to it. I'll hand things off to Mike Claiborne. You know, one of the things Ricky said at the beginning of the show, two of the best swings we've ever seen from a left-hander that wore a Cardinal uniform. Musio had a pretty good swing, too. I'll, I'll throw him in that, that conversation. When you watch the game today and you watch the swings of players, what do you see today that that you probably didn't see when you were playing in your era and the people you watched when you were growing up? 
whatsoever. That's a good question. Good question. I think the thing for me was I would always pay attention to the left-handed hitters that was that was having success. Because I was a lefty, and we, and we built different as left-handed hitters, right? Yes. And uh, I never really watched the righty. I was always watching left-handed hitters and see what they was doing, trying to pick up little things. What were some of the ones you would watch? Well, I watched Barry Bond, Chipper Jones hitting from the, from the left side, um, guys like that, just to see... You know, um, yeah, so to see Tony they, Gwynn in that conversation. Yeah, of course, Tony Gwynn. But Tony Gwynn was special. Yes, he was. He, he was in a league of his own, you know, the way he hit. And um, so you try to pick up little things and, and you try to mimic those things. But you, you adjust to whatever's comfortable for you. And um, But with the guys today, you know, I know the game changes. A lot more pitchers are throwing harder. So they want, everybody going to have short bats. I remember coming up, we had guys swinging what, 34, 33 ounce, 35, stuff like that. But you don't see that today because you got a lot more pitchers throwing harder. And, uh, and they're throwing yeah. up, too. And they're throwing and, up. And, and they're throwing up. And we would have said a long time ago that lefties, you know, typically are going to be low ball hitters. Well, I mean, exactly. I don't know that that's I'm, – I'm not sure, Keith, that's true anymore. Uh, right-hand hitters are low ball hitters now, too, which makes them breaking ball hitters because the breaking ball has got to be low in the strike zone. Um, I think they, they got into that launch angle. And that's why pitchers started throwing up. Because when you swing up, the only guy I saw that really, they said squaring up. I watched Barry Bonds take BP once at Candlestick Park. And I was retired, of of course. And he kept his shoulders parallel to the ground. And therefore, when your shoulders are level, your bat stays level. And it makes you a, a high ball hitter. And all he was doing was with his shoulders level hitting the high ball. He just had a slight uppercut, and it was the, one of the best rounds of BP I ever saw. And um, too many uppercuts. The ball's upstairs, and you're swinging up. It's got to be perfect timing. And they could a lot of hitters couldn't handle it up here. But I think it's changing now. I'm seeing without the shifts. Yeah. I'm seeing more guys go in the opposite field yep. Yep. and guys leveling off because they have to. Otherwise, they're going to run them out of town with the high fastball. <laughs> yeah, you, you are seeing a lot lot more guys going the other way with the ball than you have in the, what, the last three years. So they're, they make an adjustment. I, I think the thing for me, when I was a player, and guys just say, man, back in my day, this is what we did. I didn't want to be that guy. Right? So... But now I feel like I am that guy. Where, <laughs> where, where I'm like, man, back in my day, this is the way it was. But, but it doesn't but, mean. But the game does change. There's it does. fundamental things about the game that stay the same. I mean, it, there's it, a lot of things that are still important: good base running and and you know hitting the cutoff man. I mean, that that still yeah, matters. Fundamental parts of but, the game. But exactly. there are some nuanced differences when when we're talking about that. It doesn't mean the game is bad. The game is wrong. It, it's just different in some ways. I think I think some of the guys are getting it twisted as far as, you know, when they, they want to try to swing up, you don't start off swinging up. You make contact and finish high. That's what McGuire that's, that's, taught. You, you watch a lot of the guys, man. They, they come through the zone and then they finish high, but they don't start off swinging up. So, so as you as you guys watch guys play today, is there somebody that you know when 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 he's on TV or when you happen to be wherever you're going and you happen to look up in a bar somewhere and I mean that you stop and watch? Is there somebody that you really enjoy uh, watching play um, either on the offensive or the defensive side? You're both great defenders too, both of you. Keep a lot of Gold Gloves and and you're uh, and you're home den, I'm sure. But is there a player that really that really sticks out to you guys? 
what, I, number one, when I'm not working, I don't watch baseball. <laughs> Especially I'm the, when they were I'm the same way. <laughs> when they were secrets out. When they were three and a half hour games, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I had a hard time dealing with that. But I like the the guy uh, in uh, in Miami. The line. I'm, I'm a, I was a line drive hitter, and uh, he's the closest thing arise. to Tony. Yeah, a rise. Closest thing to Pete Rose and Tony Gwynn. I saw him. We had him the first series of the year, and he was the batting champion last year with the American League. He's going to be the batting champion this year in the National League, and he's a lot like Gwynn and Pete Rose. He goes up the middle. He can pull. He can hit. He can inside out a little bit on a ball up and in, and hit a line drive over the shortstop's head. And he's got a good eye at the plate. I lo- always like that kind of tenacious hitter. They're hard strikeouts. They're tough outs. How about you, Ray? Well, well for me, when I was coming, it was, it was all about line drives. Hit line drives and home runs were accidents. Yeah. Right? So right. you're trying to you're trying to just make contact and drive the ball. And when you hit it out, you hit it out. I mean, I don't think there's been too many times when I was trying to hit a home run and I was successful. So you, you just try to make contact. And I, and I know the game has changed. You know, it's, it's constantly going to change. That's the great thing about it. It's going to change. You know, and, and you just got to adapt with it. And uh, But I think the thing is, man, is guys got to just understand how pitchers are trying to pitch them and understand your strength and your weaknesses. That was Keith Hernandez and Ray Lankford talking with Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton during a Friday Night Live by Lowe's this past season. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Welcome back into the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. We're into the home stretch of this best of 2023 program, looking back at everything that happened with the Cardinals in 2023. I think most people have been ready to uh, turn the page, but certainly uh, when talking about Adam Wainwright winning uh, game number 200 of his career, uh, reflecting on Mike Shannon and everything that he meant uh, to the Cardinals and Cardinals fans, those are certainly some things to uh, revisit, and it's good that we've been able to do that here on the program today. A reminder for you, we'll kind of be back to normal next week, going back to our more long-form interviews that we record over at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside of Ballpark Village. Uh, we're going to hear from Ricky Horton next week, part of the, uh, obviously, one of the uh, play-by-play broadcasters for the Cardinals Radio Network and uh, former Cardinal as well. Really looking forward to sitting down and speaking with him for 35, 40 minutes or so. If you want to join us for the show, you can do so. Uh, Uh, by heading over to Cardinals Nation. That's going to be scheduled for next Thursday, uh, January 4th, and it's going to be taking place from 12 o'clock to uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So your chance to uh, meet Ricky, uh, Mike Claiborne, and myself, we are going to be there, and we'll record that for uh, that evening's show. So that's going to be going on coming up next week. Do, of course, want to remind you about the Cardinals calendar, the official Cardinals wall calendar. It stands above the rest by presenting its usual array of spectacular Cardinals photography and the team's 2024 spring training and regular season schedules. You can order it at 314-345-9000. That's 314-345-9000. Or you can visit select area retailers or... You can call us right now on the Countdown to Opening Day contest line. That phone number is 314-955-1120, 314-955-1120, and we once again will take a caller number 5, 
855-1120. Caller number five, and you get one of these wonderful wall calendars that uh, Cardinals Publications have put together. As we do, uh, again, kind of start to wrap up the reflections upon 2023, gives us the opportunity to look at everything that the Cardinals have done so far in the offseason. And I say this reminding you that there is plenty of time left between now and the start of spring training, but we heard John Mazalock say it over and over that the Cardinals needed three starting pitchers, and they got just that. It started with uh, Kyle Gibson, then they went to former Cardinal Lance Lynn, each of those uh, players signing one-year deals that does include an option for a second year. And then the biggest move that the Cardinals have made so far this offseason was bringing in the guy who was the runner-up for the American League Cy Young last year in Sonny Gray. That really set things up for a quiet baseball winter meetings we thought this year was going to be uh, as active of a baseball winter meetings that the Cardinals had had in quite some time instead they got most of their work done before the winter meetings after the winter meetings came to an end they did trade Tyler O'Neill. Mosellock had made it very clear that they were looking to uh, clear up part of the log jam there in the outfield and give O'Neill an opportunity somewhere else so uh, he got sent to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for uh, pitchers Nick Robertson and Victor Santos Robertson is expected to be part of the big league uh, bullpen this upcoming season. So uh, those were the pieces that were returned for Tyler O'Neill. We are going to take one more break. When we come back, Mike Claiborne is going to rejoin me. I'm going to get his thoughts and his reflections on Mike Shannon. We've talked a lot about Mike Shannon during this show. We'll hear from Claibs in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. We're back at it one final time here on the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. And uh, Claibs, over the last couple hours, uh, a lot of what we've played back has been uh, reflecting on uh, the life and, and, and the career and the impact of Mike Shannon. And, and the just I, I use the word impact again, what he meant uh, to the Cardinals. And I got to say... When yeah, you know, I didn't. I did not have a personal relationship with uh, with with Mike. But when I'm around you, when I'm around John Rooney, when I'm around other people, he always comes up. It is rarely where there is a long conversation where you or somebody doesn't mention. Well, Mike would have said this. Mike would have done that. What's fun for me as somewhat of a newcomer is I feel like Mike Shannon lives on through through you guys who knew him so well. Yeah, that, yeah, I would agree with you, Matt. Uh, you know, Mike had such an impact on John and Jim and Ricky and myself and even the guys on the TV side. Um, when you think about how he made us better people, some would say, well, not better broadcasters, and that's okay. But I, I really feel like in how professional he was and how he treated people was something. And, and he had incredible vision about the game. He saw things that you know, we just didn't see. Um, and maybe that's the fact that he he was he played and was watching the game for so many years. Uh, he had that, that sixth sense when it came to really understanding what's going to happen next. Uh, he knew a good team from a bad team. He knew a good player from a bad player. And he would give us certain tidbits that we, we continue to use. But the one thing about him uh, was, for me, is he was an incredible teammate. Uh, he was always looking out for you, and he always had a way to keep the room loose. Uh, he 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 would do things and say things that maybe weren't intentional that we all were amused by. And I can honestly say, I think I can speak for John and Jim, there wasn't a day we weren't at the ballpark and Mike made us laugh about something. 
something he said, something he did, something, some story he would tell. And, you know, after a while, as long as I've been working with him, I think it's safe, I, I'm safe to say I can probably recite of his 200 plus stories. I probably, you bring up a name of a person, I can give you a story he told me about. It's, um, he loved the Cardinals. It's, it's what I've learned about him is he loved all aspects of the Cardinals. I, I was having a conversation with Stan McNeil from Cardinals Publications, and it meant so much when they would be talking about Cardinals Magazine. Well, how many subscriptions did we sell after this interview or this conversation or whatever? That's an extension. So if, if it was Cardinals related, if it was personal related, it seemed like he did everything in he, his power to just make everything better. Is that a, is that a correct assessment? No, you're right. You're spot on. Uh, whether you're in the ticket department or whether you're in the concessions department, he always wanted to know and how he could weave that into the broadcast. I, I think if you ever listen to John, Ricky, or myself, how we always talk about tickets and promotions and things of that nature, that was Mike because Mike used to sell tickets. Uh, you know, he just didn't care about the, the team, the players. He cared about the people who worked for the Cardinals and worked with the Cardinals. Those were his teammates as well, and he was always trying to find a way to help use his voice to promote what they were doing. I grew up listening to him. Uh, obviously, I'm around a lot of people who who listen to him or know him. It's it's hard for me to think of a broadcaster that listeners felt more relatable to. Like there was something about him that if you listen to Cardinals games, I, I think a lot of people felt like if they didn't know him personally, they kind of knew who he was and, and everything. He was very good at sharing himself in in all ways. Yeah, you know, I always felt like Mike devoted Mike let everyone have a chapter of his life um you know the way he broadcast the game you felt like you were sitting right next to him and I, I mean there have been countless times where people would say I used to sit out on the front porch or wherever and just at any evening and listen to Mike as if I was having a cold frosty one with him and, and that's how he made it feel I mean it wasn't the uh the broadcast school of of how you do things uh maybe technically he changed some things but I learned one thing about Mike. He was a voracious reader. And if he heard about something with regard to a transaction, he wouldn't say well, the Cardinals, are, we, we're told, is going to make a move. If it wasn't in print, signed by the ball club, he wouldn't read it. Hmm. You know, He felt like his voice had to be an official one where it wasn't based on innuendo or speculation. He, he just wanted to make sure that if he had it in his hand to read, then it was official and that was good enough for him. He wasn't trying to be a reporter and break a story, but he read the results of the story. And I think that's something that we as broadcasters uh, have to be better at compared to talking about rumors and things of that nature. Because at that point, we sound like somebody that's uh, on social media in somebody's basement who was just speculating. He wanted to make sure he gave you the facts and nothing but that. Yeah, yeah, that's personally that's something I struggle with. We'll go on the air with the pregame show and Jeff Passan or John Heyman or JP Morosi or Ken Rosenthal will say this is going to happen and I when I'm on the Cardinal Radio Network, I personally struggle with how to word that or how to say that because if it's not official and I'm on the Cardinal Radio Network saying it, that that doesn't always vibe together. So I, I appreciate that. No, you know, uh one of the things we hear a lot today is there are reports or sources say that we never we never are able to nail down, you know, 
um, you know, maybe an individual, you like, like you just said, well, Jeff Passon is reporting. Yeah, where did he get it from? And, you know, the, you get into the confidentiality thing. So in our business as broadcasters, it, it's to state the facts of the report. Uh, and I think we're safer that way. And, and Mike was vigilant about that. He, he would not do it if he didn't have something official in his hand. Well, Mike, uh, this has been great. We uh, appreciate uh, you spending some time with us today. And uh, we're going to be back kind of to a, to our more standard countdown to opening day show. We're a winter warm-up is like a week and a half away. We'll have spring to have Cardinal Caravan. Spring training will be opening up. It's incredible how quick this offseason moves. Well, you know, once we turn the page on one, on the year, things start to percolate. Uh, you just mentioned some things. I know Cardinal fans are anxious to see what this roster is going to look like going into spring training. And I, I would assume and I really feel like there, there's going to be more to, to be added uh, between now and the start of spring training. And, and let's face it, the roster is going to change quite a bit during the season, too. But it, it's something for us to talk about. It's something for us to look forward to. And it's something for us to put 2023 behind us. Uh, I really feel like in the initial steps that we've taken, by some of the things we've seen uh, this year and uh, some of the things we saw during the season, it gives us hope that things will be better. Um, I can assure you we won't lose 91 games this year in 2024. Yep, I agree with that. Mike, have a very uh, happy new year. Look forward to talking to you next week. Can't wait, Matt, to you and your family and certainly to all of our listeners on the Cardinals Radio Network. We wish them nothing but happiness and joy and ambition about what 2024 is going to look like. Absolutely. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This has been the Countdown to Opening Day Show on the Cardinals Radio Network.